Hi there, you're at the second location, but don't worry, you're not alone. I'm your host, Holly, and I am here with you. And together we are going to explore a murder, a missing person, and a suicide that spans two continents. The crimes start with murder in Ireland on the picturesque cliffs of Maurer, followed by a mad dash to New York, a quick disappearance, and end with a suicide in Miami, Florida. It's a literal where's where of top vacation destinations. It's the mid-1960s and our victim, Maria Dominich, is a former teenage beauty queen turned 28-year-old social worker. She works mainly with children and she's employed by the state. Maria lives in New York City where she shares an upscale apartment with her mother, Virginia, in the Washington Heights area. Her family is originally from Puerto Rico and they are very prominent in that country. Her uncle even serves as the assistant attorney general in San Juan, so they're connected. Maria and her mother are very caring women, and they both worked as social workers, despite being very wealthy. And that can be a very depressing job at times, and it's not incredibly rewarding financially, but it is truly one of the best ways to make a positive impact on the lives of others, you know, to help people that truly need help. And I think their chosen career for both of these women speaks very highly of them. In 1967, Maria started a romance with Patrick Darcy. Now, he's an older fella, and he works as a travel agent. Does that still exist, or did the internet ruin that one? Everyone can just book their own vacations nowadays. I don't think a travel agent is, you know, really that much in demand anymore. Well, maybe if you do fancy trips, it would be needed. Not the flight to Las Vegas with three layovers that I go on once a decade. Uh, that I can book myself. I remember about 10 years ago when I was living in the city, there was a derelict looking building that had a travel agency on the ground floor that was still in operation, but it looked like the type of place where you would book a trip that ends in a murder suicide. I literally had the world's lowest standards, but there were these rusty drips coming down off of all sides of the building. It was just so off-putting, but it was still open for business. But even then I was like, holy shit, there are still travel agencies around? Wow. So while Darcy is a little older than Maria, he was by all appearances generally respectable. At least that's the picture we have as we go into it. Now it's 1967 and Maria is getting, you know, a little bit long in the tooth to still be single at the time. I think there might have been discarded the term spinster by then, but Maria was likely feeling some pressure to find a fella and marry. But Maria thinks that she's found a great guy and that maybe she finally found love. Well, she found something all right. Now, this is a murder podcast, so you can relax. Trust me, things are about to go south, as Darcy was not what he seemed. Maria discovers that her man, Patrick Darcy, is actually married. And he also has kids with his current wife, to whom he is still married. Over Darcy's protests, Maria ends the relationship when she finds this out. But Maria's Darcy. He's no Jane Austen hero. He promptly sets his sights on Maria's 51-year-old mother, and the two appear to have engaged in an affair. Remember that Maria lived with her mom in a large Washington Heights apartment, so the awkward meter just exploded. Seriously, how could that all have went down? Darcy shows up at Maria's apartment, and she tries to wave him off because she just dumped him, and Darcy explains that he's actually there for her mom. I mean, Maria had to have a little barf in her mouth after hearing that. But let's remember that Maria's mom is to blame here too. Hey, single moms, how about setting some ground rules with your adult daughters about dating? Start with, you know, not dating anybody else's leftovers. 
come on, leftovers, you know what I'm talking about. That guy that you basically had enough of and he is just refusing to be thrown away. He's still around hanging out by your fridge. Well, he's a leftover. And no, mom, you can't have him, nor should you want him. Please, people, quit picking lovers from the discard pile of close family members. It's the dumpster diving of dating. Sometimes other people's trash is just trash. Anywho, after the breakup, Maria books a European holiday to soothe her broken heart and maybe process the idea that her ex-lover was now dating her mother. But most likely, she planned this trip to get the fuck away from that apartment where her mom and her former lover were hooking up. I mean, they can't go to Darcy's house. His wife and kids are there. Talk about killing the mood. Anyway, Maria withdraws $6,000 from her bank account and converts that to traveler's checks. Now, that $6,000 is about $49,000 today. So, Maria knows how to travel. And as any good grifter can tell you, when someone can shell out $49,000 for a sudden vacation, there is definitely more money in that bank account. I think Maria and Virginia's money, you know, along with their beauty, definitely drew Darcy to the women. Really, what type of guy gets dumped and then goes after the mom? To me, it reeks of a financial motivation. Maria, armed with traveler's checks, a broken heart, and a telenovela life, leaves Europe on the 16th of May, 1967. She arrives in Paris and immediately sends off three postcards to family and friends in the Americas, including one to her mom in which Maria promised to send a longer letter outlining her vacation in greater detail. But we can't only assume that that second letter was sent because no one sees Maria after May 22nd and no one ever saw her mother, Virginia, after May 30th. Now, Maria had traveled to Europe alone and she initially stayed in Paris by herself, which, you know, honestly, super impresses me. She traveled alone to a foreign country and was just doing her thing in the 1960s. I can't do that now. But anyway, an American man arrives in Maria's hotel in France several days after Maria. Maria arrived on the 16th. This guy shows up on the 21st. The hotel reports that Maria spent the evenings with this American gentleman and that she appeared to have already known this guy. The next day, Maria checks out. In doing so, she cuts short her reservation at the hotel in Paris. So it looks like Maria is changing her vacation plans and leaving Paris earlier than she had planned. This is when she flies along with the American gentleman to London. Maria and the American gentleman land in London, where she cashes in all of her remaining traveler's checks and books a stay at a hotel under the name Miss M. Young. Her male companion had been traveling under the name Mr. A. Young. It sounds like they are playing married, most likely so they can share that hotel room. After booking the room, Maria abruptly changes her mind and leaves London and flies to Dublin, Ireland along with A. Young. In Dublin, they rent a car and drive through the night until at 4 a.m. a local resident saw headlights at the top of the Moher Cliffs. These cliffs are some of the most beautiful terrain in the world. It's the stuff of postcards, pictures, you know, just absolutely perfection. At the top of the cliffs, A. Young allegedly attacks Maria with a blunt object, savagely beating her to death, and then he removes all of her clothes and jewelry, leaving her clad in her, only in her underwear. He takes her dead body and tosses her over the cliffs. Mr. A. Young then flees the scene. Now, other than the first postcard sent from Paris, no one in Maria's family hears from her again, except maybe her mother, 
Remember Maria had promised to write her a letter with the details of her trip? And of course, Maria never returns from her European holiday because she's lying dead at the bottom of the cliffs of Mauer. Meanwhile, back in New York City, Virginia's powerful lawyer brother is getting suspicious. Maria was supposed to fly back on May 31st, but she never arrived. And her mother, Virginia, seems to have disappeared. Like her daughter, Virginia is a social worker, and she hasn't been seen since May 30th. And she's been missing work. Her employer, a children's home in the Bronx, eventually reports her missing. Maria was finally reported missing by her father, who was alarmed when he didn't receive his normal Father's Day phone call or card from Maria. Now, Father's Day 1967 was June 18th, so it appears that she was not reported missing in America until mid-June, even though she never returned on her May 31st flight home. So wait, exactly how suspicious was that uncle? I mean, that's two weeks, but okay. She's an adult. There were problems about reporting adults as missing and people were hesitant to do those things back in the day. But anyway, Maria and Virginia, they belong to a prominent and wealthy family. And with the mom and daughter both missing, the tabloids catch wind of this and run with the story. The story gets labeled as a double-barreled mystery. The tale of a missing mother and a daughter separated by an ocean captivates New York. Seriously, just think about that. A mother and daughter on different continents have gone missing. It's eerie. Sort of an unholy coincidence. Or a double murder by a globe-trotting travel agent. It's the second one, guys. It's the second one. Sadly, the body of Maria had been discovered at the foot of the cliffs on May 26th, but she wasn't identified. She was an unnamed, you know, a Jane McDoe of sorts. Maria was found wedged between the rocks. Her broken, bloodied corpse was clad only in her underwear when she was found. Her body bore evidence of a brutal beating before she was shoved to her death. Maria's face was unrecognizable and her body was so utterly shattered that an investigator postulates that she appears to have fallen from the sky. A pathologist exam concludes that her body had been in the water for three days. Her jewelry was found on the clifftop and her clothes were thrown over the cliffside and are eventually found, but they were not able to be reached due to the treacherous nature of the rocky cliffside. By the time that her clothing is found, Maria had already been buried at the local cemetery in an unmarked grave. With no ID on the body and the corpse in such a terrible condition that they can't do a visual ID, their guard eye, that's Irish for police, start trying to find out who this poor lady was and who did this to her. The main clue of the scene is the victim's underwear, which contains a Made in the USA label, so they think that she might be an American. This poor woman, violently brutalized and then thrown from a cliff, has the final indignity of the police trying to ID her by her underwear. Ironically, today, that would make police ID victims everywhere as Chinese by their underwear manufacturer alone. You know, your underwear can't help you anymore. Following what clues they had the irish law enforcement they send out dental information and fingerprints to american police forces exactly how this is accomplished in 1967 i'm not sure because we know that even today there's a failure of communication and cooperation between american police departments and it surely was not feasible for the guard eye to send this information to every police department in the states i mean does Dubuque really need to know about this? I don't know. But ultimately, the body at the bottom of the cliffs is identified through fingerprints by the New York police as Maria. Luckily, she had been fingerprinted for her job as a government-employed social worker, so her fingerprints were on file. 
but this all took some time. Keep in mind that while her family back home reported her missing and they realized that she had never made, flew back to the States, her trip to Ireland with A. Young wasn't planned. She had originally planned to stay in France for longer on her trip, so no one's looking for her necessarily in Ireland. The police know that she flew to London, but they don't know about all the details about car rentals and the whole trip to Ireland. So Maria is treated as a missing person. So now the question is, what happened to these two women, all within a span of one week, while they were worlds apart? The police are able to piece together that on the morning of the 23rd, Mr. A. Young had checked into a hotel at Ireland Shannon Airport at 8 in the morning, and he checks out four hours later around noon. Mr. A. Young's name is not on any airline flights listed for that day. Instead, please determine that he drove all the way back to Dublin and returned the rental car at 6 p.m., only a day after he originally had rented it. On the evening of the 24th, Mr. A. Young flew out of Dublin and headed to Paris, then on with another flight, ultimately arriving in New York on the 26th of May, just four days before the last sighting of Virginia. Now, A. Young is busting ass to get back to America for two reasons. First, he wants to put some distance between himself and his murder victim, Maria. And second, I think he's trying to reach New York before Virginia opens that letter for Maria, where Maria writes about Patrick Darcy's surprise arrival in Paris and her change in plans. If Darcy can intercept that letter before Virginia reads it, he won't have to kill her too. But I think the letter beats him to the U.S. And Virginia's death is faded since she knows that Darcy chased Maria to France. When they realize that Maria is missing, Virginia will blab about Darcy's intercontinental exploits and his plan will have all been for nothing. What police on both sides of the pond want to know is, who is this A. Young? It appears that he is connected to the death of Maria in Ireland, but is he also responsible for the disappearance of Virginia? In New York City, the police start talking to all of Maria and Virginia's friends, looking for some connection between the ladies and this A. Young. New York Police Department Detective Imundi questioned the travel agent that friends had identified as the older man, you know, that was married that Maria had gone to Europe to forget. While the travel agent, Patrick Darcy, denied any romantic entanglement with the ladies, Maria's friends identified him as her married former lover. So right there, he's looking a lot you know, like a liar, because he is one. Patrick Darcy claims to have not been out of the country for months, and a check with customs records supported Darcy's story, according to the New York police. Now, I don't know what a customs check entails in 1967, and I'm not a great traveler, but to me, if you travel to Europe to murder someone, and while you were abroad, you didn't make any large purchases, attempt to import a pet or, you know, any exotic cheeses, you just might be able to sail through customs without raising any flags. I mean, I only aspire to international travel, but seriously, isn't customs where you show your receipts and your grocery lists? I have the impression that in 1967, flying under a false name was fairly easy. Yeah, I'm looking at you, D.B. Cooper, wherever the hell you are because you didn't need to show any identification. But I think the international flight might be a little bit different. Let's maybe check this Patrick Darcy's passport. I mean, they stamp those buggers, right? Much like Hillary Clinton or a rash, Detective Amunda, he persisted. And an extensive review of over 40,000 microfilm files. Yeah, 40,000 microfilm files. That is a lot. 
Um, these are Americans that had traveled to Europe in May of 1967. And these were kept by the State Department. He goes through all of these. And one passenger looked a lot like Patrick Darcy. What was the name on that passport? Yeah, it was Alfred Young. Mm, I think we found our A. Young. Now the NYPD finally have the evidence they've been looking for. But old Patrick Darcy pulls the runner and disappeared. Ultimately, they track Darcy down in October of 67 when they find his lifeless corpse in a hotel alongside an empty bottle of whiskey and a bottle of barbiturates in Miami. Also in that hotel room was a sealed envelope addressed to a Catholic priest. What was in that envelope? Well, the priest refused to ever talk about the letter from Patrick Darcy, and like a bunch of fools, the police had never opened it. Oh! Inquiring minds want to know. Apparently, these police didn't have inquiring minds, or like, is that the right thing to do, to not open the letter morally? I mean, I don't really care. The guy's a murderer. Uh, I feel like I can, I feel okay opening their correspondence. I don't know. But anyway, personally, I would have steamed that bitch open and, you know, resealed it if necessary. But I just got to know what's in that letter. Poor Virginia. I mean, she's never found. Her location could have been in that letter. For Virginia, no one knows the horror that happened to her or whether her daughter ever sent her a second letter. A letter that may have mentioned A. Young's arrival. But one wonders if she was a little suspicious about Patrick Darcy upon his return to New York. The undoing of Patrick Darcy was the one kindness that he showed Maria when he failed to remove her underwear before he tossed her off the side of that cliff. That simple garment showed her connection to America, where, as a City of New York employee, her fingerprints were on file. Now, these questions remain to this day, and they will probably never be answered. How did A. Young convince Maria to cash out all of her traveler's checks? Because he would not have been able to cash those out. He needed, He wanted that money that she had left which I don't know. She'd been halfway through her trip. She took about $50,000. So she maybe had $25,000 left. He wanted that in cash. And he got it. But how did he do it? Why did Maria begin to travel under a false name? Perhaps she, just so the two could appear as a husband and a wife, you know, at hotels at a more puritanical time. I think that just might be it. But I also don't know why... They wouldn't have just used Darcy's name. I would be suspicious when he says, let's just book in as a couple, but we have to have a completely fake name. I mean, is he trying to imply that his wife's going to track this down to Paris, you know, in London and all those places? It raises a red flag in your mind, but I mean, I don't know if you're going to make the leap that the guy's there to kill you, but it, it's hanky. I'll say that. Now, another question. Did Maria ever write to her mother about A. Young's arrival? And I think that Maria did. Because if she didn't, then there's no reason to disappear Virginia. I mean, wait, I think I just answered one of my unanswered questions. Well, guys, we just solved something. But I, seriously, I'm pretty sure that Virginia knew that he had went there to meet her. And that's why she had to be, she had to go. Now, what was in that letter to the priest? Most likely a confession, I'd guess. That's what you do to priests. Or perhaps that the letter, you know, the letter that Maria had sent to her mom that was never recovered, was that in there too? Curious, right?
And the final question, which I think we will not be getting the answer to unless I, I just don't see it happening, but it's where's Virginia? Where is her body located? And, um, I think at this point it's probably, unless she's a, a Jane Doe somewhere, like Maria was for a period of time, I don't think we'll be finding her remains. The answers to these questions, you know, they likely all died with Patrick Darcy. The man that the New York police believed was a young. And hey, I believe it too. <laughs> this story is tragic. Two women died because a money hungry man saw dollar signs when he looked at these ladies. Both of these seemingly independent, wealthy women were social workers. From the little information I could gather about these women, they seemed very wealthy, but they chose to work in a lower paying and incredibly stressful job to help others in need. These are the type of ladies that we need to live. The world is a better place with them. We need people like these women, more people like them, and less people like Patrick Darcy. That's greedy bastards. My takeaway from this brutal slaying of two women is gentlemen, don't let money problems lead to murder. Just go ahead and be poor. It's much more dignified than murder.